Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Black Writer Space. I am your host, Miss Mocha. And tonight our guest is Kimberly Lawson Roby, New York Times bestseller. She's an author. She has published sixteen books. I am so excited to have her on the show tonight. And we are going to bring her right on air. Hello. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Not a problem, not a problem. You have been really, really, really busy. I know I, it. <laughs> it's like, and, uh, right here in Chicago. Yes, yes. So it's just, uh, you know, deadlines and getting ready for the next book that's coming out. And, I, you know, even when I look ahead the next three or four months, I thought, gosh, you know what, it's going to be June or July before I feel like I can even breathe again. So... You know, but busy is good, so I'm not going to complain. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, wow. Okay. Okay. You're so busy. I, I was, um, you know, I've been on your website and and looking mm-hmm. at all the stuff you have going on. So I'm really excited about that. We are definitely here to support you. Well, thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. I'm going to bring my uh, co-host on. Give me one okay. second. Hey, Dee. Hey, how are you guys? Hey, how are you? This is my phone. Hello? Hello? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, okay. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, I want to talk about how you started your writing career. How did you get started writing? Were you writing as a child and it just you just kind of held on to it it was a passion or did you start in your adulthood no it was in adulthood and as a matter of fact it was not until i was 30 years old that I actually sat down and wrote the first book behind closed doors um i worked in corporate america i worked for the state of illinois i worked for the city of rockford um uh, for government there worked as a financial analyst and so did just a number of different things here in the area and just always felt like something was missing. That's really how the whole idea of even thinking about writing a book came about and thought back to elementary school teachers who had said I should be a writer. They were encouraging me to do that. Same thing in junior high and high school and just never really paid a lot of attention to it. Um, But as an adult, I I did look back and thought I would give it a try and started coming home every evening and and working on the weekends until it was finished. Wow. Started at 30 years old, and you mm-hmm. have uh, accomplished a New York Times bestseller. I've seen USA Today and a, a number of other accomplishments. So yes, yes, to you, it's been uh, a huge blessing, and then now have the the 17th title coming out May 1st. So it's been a, a wonderful journey. That's okay. amazing. That's amazing. It really is. I'm so excited that you're right here. Um, what, 20 minutes outside of Chicago? Um, no, actually, we, we're we not even a suburb of Chicago. I live in the Rockford-Belvedere area, so we're about 90 miles from downtown. We're more, we're like 15 minutes from Wisconsin. No, mm. well, not too far. I'm so used to having guests on the show who are in, um, who we had? We had North Carolina. Carolina. Yes, North Carolina. Right, North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, so you're a lot further than here. But, yeah, I am right here in mm. Illinois, that's for sure. And it's exciting. You're going to have an appearance right in Rockford on Friday on the 9th. So that's mm-hmm. coming right up. That's tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So that's excellent. Excellent. From 7 to 9, listeners. So, again, she will be in Rockford, Illinois, and it will be at the Rockford Public Library. The Montague branch, is that how you say it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the address is 1238 South Winnebago Street in Rockford, Illinois. And she will be there between the hours of 7 to 9 p.m. and will be doing the book discussion for Secret Obsession. Mm-hmm. 
So that book comes out May 12th. So can you just give us a little bit about it and let us know uh, what's gonna, what that's going to be about? Um, yeah, well, this one actually, Secret Obsession is my um, title that came out in September. and so oh, okay. That, yeah, but my book that's coming out in May is called The Reverend's Wife. Oh, and, The Reverend's Wife, okay. Yeah, and it's the ninth title in my Reverend Curtis Black series. And so, you know, as they say, the saga continues, and mm-hmm. as the story opens, um, Reverend Curtis Black has decided to divorce his wife, Charlotte, and it feels like enough is enough. She has gone out and had not one but two affairs, and she's basically just holding her until her son graduates high school and heads off to college. And, of course, Charlotte doesn't want to hear that and is doing everything she can to try to make amends and change his mind about divorcing her. And um, eventually another woman comes in on the scene hoping to be the next Mrs. Curtis Black, and uh, one thing leads to another, and they sort of head down this, this pretty dangerous road because of it. Mm-hmm. Wow! And this is the book that um, the book that you'll be giving to your book club. When I was looking at your Secret Obsession Book Club contest, and mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. had that. And can you tell the listeners a little bit about that and how that yeah. came about, and about how the winners came about? Uh, well, last Friday, and every and I'll just do this uh, every so often as we're getting ready and getting closer to a book release, and I don't have any set days written down. Even now, I'll just you know kind of communicate back and forth with readers and decide, okay, today's the day. So on Thursday, actually, I announced that I would be giving away three um, advanced reading copies of The Reverend's Wife and that I would announce on Friday morning what time. And so on Friday morning, I posted that I would do it at 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central. And basically, it's just a matter of me posting the update saying the contest begins now. And people post within that thread, and then I just randomly choose the winners. Usually, I always choose one of the winners as the first person who posted it, because by the time it was all done, there was probably about 1,000 Post wow. and a certain amount of likes, and then I just randomly go through all of them and just choose the other two. And I'll do that again a couple of two, maybe two or three more times between now and May first. Mhm. Well, that's excellent. That's a good, great way to keep your readers involved and to yes. um, get them involved in the upcoming book release. So that's mm-hmm. a great, great idea. Absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about. Um, so with your book club, do you do you do uh, you know all of your books that way, or is it something that just came about recently? Um, as far as the giveaways, or yes, yes, just yeah. I just I started I did that with the last couple of books. I think I know I did it with Secret Obsession, yeah, and I believe we did it with <laughs> Love, Honor, and Betray. I had the publisher had given me you know X amount of advanced copies, and then I was able to give them out in a contest. Um, the other thing that I do is I hold a national book club um, contest. It's called Have Dinner with Kimberly Lawson Roby. And so for that contest, book clubs will, what they have to do is just purchase all of their books for their entire book club um, that first week um, and then send in the receipt with their um, entry form. And mm-hmm. so we go through, and, and usually my husband is the one who will, you know, they're in a box, and he'll just pull one of them. And whichever book club name is chosen, I fly to the city and take out the entire book club to an upscale restaurant that they choose. So that's just another way of thanking the book clubs because so many book clubs support me with every single book year after year, and it's just a way mm-hmm. to connect with them. Um, sometimes I give away Visa gift cards, you know, just lots of ways that I that I yeah, can saw that. try to thank readers. Yeah. Now, we have um, we always ask our guests because we have this uh, different school of thoughts, different opinions. Mm-hmm. If you had to choose, which one do you prefer, the online book club or do you like the face-to-face book club? You know, I I mean, I guess I like both for different reasons, but I definitely, definitely love the face-to-face interaction (laughs) because it's always interesting to hear so many different opinions on the same subject, and sometimes those debates can become heated. You know, they remain friendly, Mm -hmm. they're still very heated, and it's just enjoyable to witness that and be a part of it. Um, The other thing is even sometimes I do phone conferences where the book club will just put me on speaker and I'm able to participate with them when they're discussing the book. And that's also pretty fun as well. That's interesting. I know a lot of times we have guests that say they like the the online because it reaches 
more people, but at the same time, you know, of course, everyone loves the face-to-face, and so that's excellent, excellent that you continue to keep your readers involved, and I'm sure I can even looking at your website and just the way that you communicate, I can see that every reader feels like they're a part of what you're doing, so they're a part of the experience, and you take them along with you through the journey, so we definitely, definitely appreciate that. Thank you. Yep, I, and that's my hope. And you know, even until this, you know, no matter how many years have passed, I still make all the responses on Facebook, um, the emails that come through my website. If somebody gets a response, it's always from me and not from anyone else. And I just always feel like, you know, even though it's a lot of work and and I receive a lot of messages, that that's the very least I could do because, mm-hmm. you know, as as writers. Um, you know, without readers, you just don't even have a career, and I think that we all have to remember that. That's excellent. That is excellent. You know, a lot of times you hear people, you know, sometimes they get so far removed in, you know, the the classic big head where they mm-hmm. they won't sit down and communicate with their um, readers. And they, you know, even just a small little note to say thank you or a communication via email or, you know, a little Facebook message, goes such a long way, and the key is to continue to have your reader stay with you and follow you to the next book. So Mm -hmm. you definitely, definitely want to continue to communicate with them. I am so glad that you are with us this evening. Um, Everybody that's listening, Black Writers Space, we have Kimberly Lawson-Roby. She is a New York Times bestsellers author. She has been featured in the Washington Post. You are yes. here today, Publishers Weekly, Essence yes. Magazine, Upscale Magazine. She is everywhere. We are blessed to have her so close to us here, and so we definitely will be trying to come out to see you tomorrow. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, if you don't mind, if we can put you on the spot, if you would like to, I'll say, if you have any, you know, if you want to read a quick excerpt from any one of your books, we will love Love, love to have you do that. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. That's fine. Okay, great. Well, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Good evening, and we are back. 
This is Black Writer's Face. I am your host, Miss Mocha, and I have my co-host with me, DeAndrea. Today, uh, author Kimberly Lawson Robinson. She is really doing big things. Mm-hmm. We're really excited about her um, uh, new releases she has coming out. She has, it'll be a total of 17 books in a few months. It'll be 17, so we are definitely here to support her. And, um, I'm excited about having her on the show. I do have a question, though, before we go into um, ask her to read something. I wanted to know what ex- what inspired you to write the book about the uh, the Reverend Cook? Black, Curtis Black? Uh-huh. Reverend Black, yep. Uh, well, it was really not even my idea in the beginning because I had written my first couple of books that, you know, didn't center around pastors, the church, pastors' lives, or anything uh, of that nature. But when I was getting ready to write the synopsis to submit to my publisher, just letting them know what I was considering and what I was thinking about writing next, I said to my husband, um, you know, I really want this book to be something that people will know about, that everyone everywhere will be able to relate in one way or another. Um, If they have not experienced it, they will know someone who has experienced it. And so he said, what about all of the issues that seem to go on in our churches? And so he was speaking of some situations that that were going on here locally. And so I kind of thought about it, and that's really how the story evolved. And so really was just inspired by so much of what I had seen and heard, and I had, you know, have been in church my entire life, so didn't even have to do as much research as, say, some of the other books that I've written. The story was born, but I never planned on it being a series, and I never wanted to write a series, um, continue or do sequels for any of my titles, and so I went on to write two other books even after casting the first film, but readers kept asking for more of the Reverend Curtis Black, and what was he up to? I was being questioned when I was out on the road touring for my other titles. And so my literary agent said, I understand that you have these other stories that you want to write and you can continue to do that, but you also have an obligation to give your readers what they're asking for. So I really wish you would think more about it. And I did. And so now here we have the ninth one in the series coming out in May. Wow. wow. Okay. That is amazing. Now, did you did you find it hard to uh, get your book published in the beginning? I mean, we've talked to a lot of our guests, and we have had the debate about self-publishing and, and going with the publisher. And mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Well, actually, I did. I mean, it was very, very tough. I finished the book at the very end of 1995 and started out on this mission of submitting query letters and, in some cases, two or three chapters, some cases the entire manuscript, to literary agents and mm-hmm. um, wanted to send right away directly to editors. But after doing research, I learned that most of them really don't prefer to receive what they call unsolicited manuscripts. They want you to have a representative. And so I sat back and waited um, two or three weeks, and the rejection letters started pouring in, just one after mm-hmm. another. And so, of course, that was disappointing. I was really discouraged and thought, well, okay, you know, but I'm not going to give up so quickly, I am going to send copies of query letters and copies of the manuscript to editors at publishing houses because I can't find an agent. But once again, received rejection letters back from every single one of them. And finally, my mom was hearing me say I was ready to give up at that point. I've done everything. This is a nice idea. I really thought it would work, but it's not. So I'm going to have to just move on to something else. But my mom kept saying, well, we passed around copies of the manuscript to women here locally, people at church, people that we worked with, and they're saying they can't put it down until they finish it. I think that means something, and you just shouldn't give up. But, you know, at the same time, that was my mom who was always Mm -hmm. telling me I could do everything. And so you kind of take that, you appreciate hearing it, but, you know, that's my mom, so you kind of need to hear that from someone else. But then my husband was the one who said, well, your background is in business, so why can't you start your own company and publish the book yourself. And that's mm-hmm. how I ended up self-publishing the first title. Um, and, you know, thank God it went on to do very, very well, very quickly. I ended up selling 
just over 10,000 copies the first six months. And wow. um, a few months before that, when I was on to the second and third printing, it was probably at about five, 6,000 copies. At that mm-hmm. point, I took that information back to agents again, and I had mm-hmm. also found out that it was uh, going to be on the bestsellers list in Essence Magazine in the May um, 97 issue. And this time I found an agent who said yes, and she went on to sell my second book um, just based on a nine-page synopsis. Hmm. Now, I've heard that a lot where people, they get the rejection letters, and as soon as they're doing well, then that's when the publishers come seeking them. Mm-hmm. Now, for someone who's just starting out and they're at that point where they're, they've gotten the rejection letters and, yes, the family is saying, oh, you did such a good job. And, of course, you know, your mom's always the one that says, you're beautiful no matter what Mm -hmm. anyone says. Mm -hmm. You're talented, you know. Mm -hmm. And you do want that extra pat on the back to say that this is a true work of art that others should read. What advice would you give to that person who was in your position and is trying to figure out what do I need to do to get my book out here to others? Well, I think that's the main thing is, you know, do your very, very best. Learn the craft of writing as much as you can, and even more so, and and sometimes I get in trouble for saying that because the craft of writing is very important, but you certainly, certainly need to research and learn everything that you can about the publishing business, Uh, the business part of it, and especially how to promote and market your work, figure out who your niche audience is, and figure out how you're going to, get the attention of those readers. You know, What are you going to do to get them to pick up your book and, and give your work a try? Um, so those things are extremely important. But certainly you have to believe in yourself. And I always say believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in whatever you're trying to accomplish, no matter what anybody is saying. But you do want to find um, hopefully some avid readers and people who really know about your stories and fictions so that they can give you not just negative feedback to beat you up and make you feel bad about yourself and about what you're doing, but somebody who can really give you some good, solid, constructive criticism, someone who really wants to help you in your process and someone who's really rooting for you and, and they're wanting to see you get published. Those are the people you really want to um, to, to pass your work around to. Absolutely. That is such a great advice. That is absolutely. absolutely. You have to believe in yourself, number one. Mm-hmm. And believe in your work. That is so, so true. Okay, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to let you take it over and read um, whatever you have for us today. Okay, just, this is just a very, very short excerpt from my latest novel, Secret Obsession. Paige Donahue glanced around the elegant dining room and literally wanted to die. She hated visiting her sister. She hated all that Camille had been blessed with, and most important, she hated her. In fact, she always had ever since childhood, thanks to the way their parents had doted on Camille and treated her like she was just a bit more precious. They'd gone out of their way confirming the idea that Camille was the better daughter, their golden child, so to speak, and that Paige was the very least of their worries. They'd even as much as told Paige this very thing on several several different occasions, maybe not directly, of course, but their actions had made their feelings dreadfully clear, such as the time when she turned 16 and they told her how they simply couldn't afford to give her the same pricey Sweet Sixteen party that they'd given Camille just two years before, since they now had to save all their money for Camille's graduation gala. Mm-hmm. Worse, they never seen, never even apologized for it and had merely ex- expected Paige to accept their decision. And it was the same situation when they purchased Camille that brand-new SUV right before she'd left for college, but had convinced Paige that there was nothing wrong with driving her sister's hand-me-down 10-year-old Camry when she graduated. That is, since Paige would only be dropped traveling 10 miles down the road to a junior college. It was true that Camille had done much better than Paige in high school, and yes, Camille had practically breezed through Marquette with honors and right after had immediately been hired by one of Chicago's top advertising firms, but had that given George and Maxine Donahue the right to treat their daughter, their younger daughter, like she didn't matter? Had it been okay for them to boast about Camille's high accomplishments to anyone who would listen and then constantly compare those accomplishments to all that Paige had failed at? Had it been okay for them to insist that maybe if Paige had been just a little bit more like Camille, they would have been much prouder of her? Even today, Paige still hadn't forgiven them, doubted she ever would, and pretty much kept her distance from her parents anyway, because when it came to Camille, Paige had always insisted 
had always visited her regularly and never let on how she truly felt about her, not once. They did everything sisters should do together, and Paige went out of her way to let Camille know that she loved her and would give her her life, give her life for her if she had to. She'd done all of this for years because she needed her sister to love and trust her completely. She needed her to trust her so much that she would never suspect what was coming. Paige had denied herself for 15 agonizing years, partly because she didn't want to hurt Crystal and PJ, her adorable niece and nephew. But as of a few months ago, she they had turned 10 and 12 respectively, meaning they were older and wiser and would handle things a lot better now. They would still be hurt, that much she was she knew for sure, but not devastated. I'm going to stop right there, and what I will say is, is the reason Paige is saying that she had been concerned about her niece and nephew, but now that they're older, she's not so much worried about it because they'll be able to handle whatever, is because Paige has decided to take her brother-in-law away from her sister. Mm-hmm. And so that's really how the story begins. Um, she has had this deep-rooted envy and, and sense of jealousy for her sister since childhood, and now that they're in their 30s, she's mm-hmm. decided that she wants to take what Camille has, including her husband and her children. Wow. And, you you know, they always say, well, thank you for that, but I know I read your bio and it says how you deal with real-life issues, and I, I know I can even say Miss Mocha right now, we can think of one person who has almost a, a similar story. Everybody, I mean, it seems like that story, we all know someone who's like that, who's mm-hmm. experienced that before. So um, kudos, I'm telling you, that sound, that little snippet right there just wet my whistle. I want to actually want to hear and read more. So oh, thank, thank you. you so, so much for that. So let me ask you a question. It's kind of a weird question, but... I'm looking at your book covers, and I notice some of them are like in a sort of art form. You know, it's not so much the actual picture of actual people, but it looks like it's, um, you know, just like art artistry mm-hmm. and very artistic. Mm-hmm. And then others are, you know, the actual people on there. Um, right. Is that something that, you know, you specifically chose? And do you have complete creative control with your books and your covers and, and how they come out? Mm-hmm. I don't have complete creative control, but I have just been blessed with publishers who have allowed me to have consultation and input. And okay. you know, that's that's a dream for any author to be able to have mm-hmm. that kind of input. But mm-hmm. when I started writing the novellas, um, which you know those are much smaller books and totally separate from my Reverend Curtis Black series, I just wanted those to stand out differently. I wanted those to be more open to just a general audience and just kind of be in a separate genre, I guess, for me. It's not really in a separate mm-hmm. genre because I write contemporary fiction and, and it's mainstream fiction, but separate in that, you know, my readers would know, okay, this is a different book this time. And sometimes reader, readers will pick up those books and they've never even heard of me before. They know nothing about the Reverend Curtis Black series. And so mm-hmm. it was really on purpose that we started doing those particular jackets in that manner. It is very. It, I mean, it's beautiful. I love just the the, the silhouettes of the people and everything, and so it, it grabs your eye. And we always talk about here in Black Writer Space how important your book cover is. That that mm-hmm. is the first thing that people see. Yes. You know, um, and yes, sometimes people they most most of the time they do judge a book by its cover. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, we very definitely yeah, need to um, make sure we keep. To it, and so even you know the way you present them has a um, has a way. And so I'm going to put you on the spot and just ask you: out of all of your books, do you have a favorite? Well, you know what I do, and I but I have three, and and they're all for different okay. reasons. Um, Behind closed doors is a favorite because it was my very first book. It started my career. Mm-hmm. Um, Casting the first stone is my favorite because. When I wrote about the Reverend Curtis Black, that was the first time that I had written about him in that particular story, and it really, you know, took my career to a whole other level. And I never imagined that, you know, my readership would increase because of that particular character and storyline um, in that particular book. And then uh, It's a Thin Line is my fourth title, and that's very, very near and dear to my heart because it's the only time I really based a character on myself as well as my mom. Uh, my mom really did have a benign brain tumor 
um, mm-hmm. and passed away at a very young age. He was only 57 in 2001. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk about in that book when the mother and the daughter are talking to each other, some of the dialogue is almost exact in terms wow. of things that my mom and I said to each other when I was taking care of her. And so, of course, that that was therapeutic for me to write it, but it's just very near and dear to me because it is based on my mom in so many ways. And that is awesome. A lot of times, people, you know, we give so much when we try to write and we try to create characters that other people can relate to. And I'm sure your readers appreciate and, and empathize with you in that book. And so we just appreciate you for taking topics that are here and now and near and dear to us as well as yourself, and we really, really appreciate that. Have you um, thought of or is anything in the works to have one of your books put on the silver screen, as they say? Mm-hmm. Um, one in a Million is another one of my standalone titles, and it was actually optioned back in 2008, and the production company optioned it um, with, Lifetime, and so the initial plan was for it to be a TV movie. But since mm-hmm. then, the producers are moving toward trying to take it to the, you know, to the big screen and and just turn it into a motion picture. And it was uh, the option was just renewed again in the last month, so they're still working on it. And I'm just staying hopeful and prayerful about that. And then casting the first stone uh, that we just we were just talking about the first book mm-hmm. in my Reverend Curtis Black series. That was optioned about a year and a half ago, so I'm hoping something happens with that as well. Wow, well, we here are standing with you, and we are praying with you, and that is awesome. Now, have they just, have this, has it even gotten to the discussion part where, where your role will be in it? Will you be able to give input, or are they just going to kind of take the book and go from there? Yeah, for one in a million, um, they pretty much have total you know, control over everything with that. That would be the title of the movie, the characters, the direction of the story, all of that. But with the option for my Reverend Curtis Black series, um, actually will be signed on as an executive producer for that okay. one. So that will be a little bit different. And for the most part, um, the producers and the distributors, they've kept me in the loop the entire way, um, you know, throughout the, the whole process. So. That is excellent. That is excellent. We um, congratulate you, and we stand in the gap and pray with you that things will go exactly as you have planned them to go. Um, I see that you are an awesome writer, and it's just the actual next step. It's just like the next succession that you should automatically have one of your books become a movie. So we uh, support you here at Black Writer Space. We thank you for that. We appreciate that. I wanted to ask you another question, but I want to keep dominating. Tiffany, you have anything? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to fit in, but it's okay. It's okay. I like. Um, I just wanted to say that I'm looking forward to seeing you here May 10th mm-hmm. at Barnes Noble's. Yes. Uh, I think the, it's, I it's in the DePaul area. I think it's in the DePaul area. Okay. I don't think are from. Um, from our office, so yes, definitely. I'm definitely going to try to get over there. Oh, I hope and you do. That'll be wonderful. It'll be, yes. I'm going to bring my camera <laughs> and make sure I get my picture in. Yes, so, yes. definitely. Absolutely. That would be very, very nice. Very nice. Um, and then we have our event coming up, so I don't know if you're still in the area. Did you, <laughs> where do you have summer. coming up? You know what? I I think I emailed your um, publicist and she said you would be somewhere else that weekend for May 20th. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's see. You know, yeah, I am because I believe, um, oh, the South Carolina Book Festival is that weekend and I'm one of the featured mm-hmm. authors there. So, yes, I will be gone. The I believe it's the 18th, 19th, and 20th. Okay. Oh. Mm-hmm. So are you okay. doing an event in the Chicago area? Maybe next time. Yes, it's going to be in the South Loop area on CERMAC. Okay. Okay. CERMAC, yes. We have, um, have, um, Omar Tyree. Thank you. Omar <laughs> <laughs> Tyree will be there. He'll be our headliner. There's a few mm-hmm. other authors, um, that are right here in Chicago. Okay. Um, because it's the first event. It's just kind of getting, you know, trying to get the word out there. I'm going to have, uh, 
live band and maybe some Arthur Reeds and just a couple of different things. We're going to sell vendor tables and mm-hmm. it's a nice spot. It's called the uh, Living Room Lounge. Oh, okay, so, wonderful. Yeah. That's so neat. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's it. It's okay. We it's not going to be the last one. I do plan on doing at least two more events this year. Okay. So yeah, well, keep please uh, make sure you keep me posted and. Because like I said, I mean, I'm 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 not a suburb, but I'm not that far. You know, it's like my husband and I get mm-hmm. in and out of Chicago, you know, every now and then, anyhow. So that would be great. That is excellent. Now, if there was anything that you wanted to leave your your fans with or your supporters with, is there something about you that they um, don't? It seems like you pretty much keep them up to you know keep them uh, abreast of, of yourself and what's going on. But if there was one thing or something that you can share with them that they didn't know about you, what would it be? Wow. Well, you know, this is kind of a funny thing. Our newspaper asked me that when they did an article back in September, and the one mm-hmm. thing that readers would be, I don't know if they'd be surprised, but they probably just don't know it is, I am a total, total dessert addict. Like, <laughs> if you said... Kim, here's the best pie in the world, or here's a steak dinner, prime rib dinner from the best restaurant in Chicago, I would probably <laughs> take the pie and go on about my business. You know? so I hear you. I love it, love it, love it. Uh, and so that's that's something that I, that's my struggle. You know, it's my struggle mm-hmm. not to do that on as much of a regular basis as I certainly would like to. And, oh, my gosh, red velvet cheesecake from the Cheesecake oh. Factory. Oh, that's not even like thinking about it. And thank, thank, thankfully, we don't have a cheesecake factory, but we get to Schomburg, which is about forty-five minutes away, pretty often. So, yeah, we have our we have our our little sweets. I don't know. We I see I pound cake. Oh. Yeah, yeah, pound cake, and then I have the butter pecan cookie from what is it? Oh my Bakery. Killing oh my me. goodness! Killing me! <laughs> oh, they are awesome. They are to die for. I'm telling they are you. really. They they are to die for. Um, that bakery is a very small bakery in Gary, Indiana, oh, and that you can okay. yeah you can find some of their products in Walgreens, even in some of the Chicago Walgreens you can find it. And, and what's the name of the company? Heavenly Scent Bakery, Heavenly isn't that right? Scent. Okay. Yes, and they have the like the old lunchroom butter cookies mm-hmm. that are so oh, awesome. I love those, and I did too. Um, and then they get the pecans, and I don't know where they get these pecans from. It's got to be someplace in Mississippi or Georgia, honey, where they come from. Mm-hmm. And they put those pecans in there. There's a butter pecans. Oh, my God. They are to die. They have cakes, pound cakes. Mm-hmm. They have anything you can think of. If you, I'm telling you, that is the place to be. It is. I'm telling you, if we miss it, we both like, ah, oh, it's, it's close. Oh my gosh! I have my daughter-in-law is from Gary, Indiana, so I'm going to have to ask her about that. I'm sure she's well aware of it. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's something. So yeah, so that's it. I'm I, I love love great desserts. Um, and then the other thing is that you know how most people will say they want to travel the world and they love vacations. To me, mm-hmm. my most favorite place to be is right here at home with my husband. I and I don't know if it's because I travel so much business-wise. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I am literally in heaven. I'm at home. That's so, wonderful. That's that adventurous, I guess. Don't be like, so that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It really is. I'm so glad. I love that you are so down to earth and so personable. And it, you know, it seems sometimes people, you know, once they've hit that that, that the bestsellers list, and you know, you know, get into Walmart. You know, Walmart is the holy grail. For mm-hmm. authors, it seems these days, because mm-hmm. it's so hard to get into the Walmart. But you know, they may have an air about them, and we haven't experienced that too much here at Black Writers Space. But I just wanted to say thank you so much for being so down to earth, and I'm sure your readers appreciate that, and, and I'm sure that translates into your um, novels. And so we really, really appreciate the fact that you have taken out time in your busy schedule to chat with us. Well, thank you. I just appreciate you inviting me and having me, and, and I certainly hope to be able to talk with you again on your show and maybe even do one of your events if it works out, you know, that you have something else the rest of the year, and I don't have anything going on. So. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Well, we'll do a, take a, a quick break, and then when we come back, we will um, wrap things up with you. Okay. okay. All righty, thank you. 
fight back. still writing and still publishing, but still, you know, they're reachable. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. I love that. I love having guests like that. Um mm-hmm. just feel like that's what we're here for. That's that's why that's part of my whole vision for Black Writer Space is to be mm-hmm. able to be the largest network of writers, authors, publishers, editors. It's I mean, it's so many different little yeah. loops. Oh, so it's like Man, just write it. Just don't talk about it. Just write it if you need help. We're here. Mm-hmm. We can do it. We can get you to somebody who can because mm-hmm. we have a, a, even just, we just started the show in December, and even just yeah. starting in December, we have built a network of um, publishers. We had Omar. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm so excited about having um, having our um First event yes. and having yes. Marta Reed as the headliner. I'm really yes. pumped about that. Yes. Um, we have GPA yeah. as well, right? Pardon me? We have GPA as well, right? We have GPA, and guess who mm-hmm. else joined in today? And I didn't think he was going to make it. Darren. Darren Lowry. All will right. Darren said, you know what? Excellent. The vacation day to day. As soon as I get to work, I'm like, cool. So, Excellent. um. Yeah, yeah, that's my favorite. He's one of my favorites. He's always, he always shows up for everything, and he's still mm-hmm. on the hustle. He's been writing. He got, what, 13 mm-hmm. books now? Mm-hmm. 13. And he's still and love, up. Just like his first little favorite He is writing, like, every yeah, So I love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. I do. Um, uh, continue to, to, to check out our posts on Facebook. To check out um, the blog. It's Black Writers Space yeah. with justice.blogspot.com. And I have not changed the other website yet, so it's still free to join. It will be a membership fee uh, in a matter of about a week or two. I just it's mm-hmm. a matter of me going and doing the, the um, changing everything, but it's still free to get a, to go on and, and and create a profile on Black Writer Space. That's with two S's. Dot Ning. Dot com. It's a uh, social networking site that I started in 2007, and we have about 350 people now. So um, it's free. It's, it's plenty of authors on there, publishers, ghostwriters, anything you need pertaining to this field is on that website. Mm-hmm. If not, Google is my best friend. So yes. we are really there. Our next show will be, I think tomorrow the Zane show will be playing, but... Monday's guest will be announced. Um, I believe I'm going to have, I'm trying to get um, Angel Bearfield. She's the one that's the author of Child Support. <laughs> that's still a relationship, right? We're supposed to be having relationships on Monday, so that's still a relationship. So, uh, yeah, that should be really interesting. We should get a lot of callers that day. I know, right? Yeah, I'm telling you. I just want to, again, I try to always take out the time and just commend you. You are doing an awesome, awesome job. God has truly blessed you to do this and continue, continue, continue to do such good work. So I appreciate you and all of your efforts. Um, This was your vision, and I'm just excited to see it unfold and the way that it is unfolding. It's just simply remarkable. So I just want to commend you and just tell you how proud I am of you and how I just am glad I'm a part of it, but I cannot wait to see where God has taken us. Yes, absolutely. I'm glad to have you aboard as well. And um, I'm I'm just excited about this event. I'm really, I'm just like, to get the word out there. I um, spoke with the um, graphic designer today to get the flyers done. So that's when I shot Darren that email, like, um, mm-hmm. so I can go ahead and put them on the flyer. So also, um, if you would like your company to be um sponsor, if you would like your company to be a sponsor, we are offering sponsor, uh, sponsor opportunities. $100 to uh, place your company as a sponsor. But um, any questions that you have, feel free to hit us on the email, blackwriterspace with two S's at gmail.com. Okay. Or look, I'm always posting on Twitter. And uh, you can always call us at 312 I did get a phone call the other night about 11, 12 o'clock. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he was asking about the event. So I was like, wow. Right. Yeah, he wanted to know about the vendor tables, yep. And so I told him to call me back, or I told him to send me a message on Facebook. So mm-hmm. that next sent me a message, and he's like, how much are the tables? Thank you so much. I just moved to, um, no, that was, was it today? So I just moved to Indianapolis, been there six months, and I was looking for something like this. Thank you so much. He was so excited. I was like, wow, look at that. So um, I plan on trying to make this a regular thing, though. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, we are going to get out of here. I want to thank our listeners for listening in tonight, and uh, we definitely appreciate you. We will be back on Monday. Tomorrow the show will not be live. It will be uh, the Zane show is going to play back automatically tomorrow at 7. So you can check back with us Monday. Check our post on Facebook. And hey. Well, you guys enjoy your evening. Thank you so much. Love you as usual, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, all right. Bye-bye. <laughs> John B.